Today's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by FilmCred. Providing new film critics and writers in-depth feedback on their writing, FilmCred is made up of a community of collaborators dedicated to publishing insightful reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Visit film-cred.com to learn more. I'm Minna Stein. And I'm Lauren Lloyd. And you are listening to the movies that made her, but not me. The podcast where we will discuss classic films from different generational perspectives. The classic film we are discussing today is the 1995 feature film, While You Were Sleeping. Oh, I don't want any flowers from you. I am not wearing black underwear. And I definitely do not want to move in with you, Jack. Well, I don't have any flowers. I wouldn't mind seeing the black underwear, but under the circumstances, I don't think we should move in together. <laughs> I thought you were Joe Jr. I get that a lot. <laughs> Let's set the scene. The movie is While You Were Sleeping, starring Sandra Bullock, Bill Pullman, and Peter Gallagher. While You Were Sleeping is the story of Lucy, a Chicago L ticket taker who falls in love with a man who takes the train every day. When he falls into the tracks, she saves his life, and after a series of mix-ups, ends up convincing his family that she's his fiancé. As she gets to know them, she feels like she's finally part of a family. And Lucy also falls in love with her fiancé's brother. It's complicated and messy, and as charming as charming can be. Will she marry her pretend fiancé, or her pretend fiancé's brother? That's what we intend to discuss. The year is 1995. O.J. Simpson is found innocent on October 3rd. Michael Jordan ends his retirement and rejoins the NBA. Forrest Gump wins six Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Actor. Alanis Morissette releases her third album. And you, listener, are probably wondering why I'm reading the intro. Well, that's because I'm more interested in the first time Lauren saw While You Were Sleeping, because it's her movie. So Lauren, tell me about the first time you saw While You Were Sleeping. Mm Well, 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 well. Well, I I saw the dailies every day. So uh, I saw it every day for many, many, many weeks. Um, I'll tell you, when I first started seeing some of the dailies, um, I knew that we had a hit. And that is really, really, really rare. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because normally if like things go along well on set, the dailies look great, you don't have a hit. If things go bad, la la la, it becomes a hit. But I knew with, Sa- with Sandra Bullock, who's really the one who's got to pull off that absurd concept of this movie, was going to pull it off. You know, um, and there were just moments that were just so delightful. Like the, when I saw the dailies of the, the boy on the bicycle delivering the newspapers, and he falls. That was a real. He fell. You know, I was like, you've got to keep that in there because it adds adds the tone. You know of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So when I first saw the movie, you know, cut together, um, it was good. It was really good. Um, yeah, I I knew that. Uh, you know, it, it's corny, and it's sentimental. But it's so well made, 
even if I do say so myself, <laughs> it, it's just so, it's, that you watch and you're kind of like, oh, you know, is Sandra, is she the bad person or is Peter Gallagher the weird guy or what's going on? And all of a sudden you are just enjoying it, you know, you're just swept away and it's super enjoyable. And we also knew that if the audience didn't buy into the setup, like, oh, he's in a coma and everybody thinks she's the fiance, that if you didn't buy that in the beginning, you don't have a movie. Um, and it worked, yeah. Um, it was interesting when we were first making the movie, uh, when the script came in, it was called Coma Guy. Right? <laughs> Sullivan and LeBeau wrote it, yeah. And the other thing that at MGM, they were rewriting, uh, and the, I can't remember which movie it was, but they were rewriting um, an old movie, and they, which was very similar to Coma Guy, and they thought we had ripped that off. So there was this, this was lawsuit going on at this time, and we were trying to figure out do we just go forward? So, of course, we just went forward and it all turned out fine. Um, and Demi was attached. Demi Moore was attached for a little bit and then she fell out, which is good because she's not particularly funny. She's not that facile, you know. Um, and it was my first $100 million movie. Passing $100 million, I became part of that club and I was very happy. Congratulations. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I really liked about it. Um, uh, I love the Greek chorus of the whole family. They come in, they're practically every scene together, like, you know. And that was very helpful in buying into the fact that they believe that she's the fiancé. You know, even though, you know, Lucy or Sandra Bullock kept trying to say no, no, no. There's always a reason why, you know, she couldn't show the grandmother will have a heart attack. You know, there's always um, a reason. And I, I love that every character was so lovable. And my favorite character is Joey. Do you know the neighbor downstairs mm -hmm. who's all like... Joe Jr. Oh. Hey, Pop. Can I give that bottle of blue none you got from Cousin Ornella to my probation officer? You see, we got some company. Say hello. Hello, Luce. Nice uh, sweater. Thank you. So, uh, we'll see you a nice girl. Joe Jr. is still single. Yeah, it's shocker. <laughs> he's so lovable, and he's such a, he's just so sweet. And she loves him, do you know what I mean? She doesn't treat him like a kind of the creepy guy he is. Um, but it was almost like a French farce, like door slamming and people showing up and people crossing back and forth, and the two get on the elevator together, the, his fiance and Sandra Bullock, you know, and they go up together, it was... Um, that scene slipping on ice was pretty great. It wasn't written into the script, but it was a very, very snowy, you know, what am I saying? Location. <laughs> and that whole slipping thing really, I think, cemented that relationship. Um, yeah. So, and then when I saw it again, because I'm always a little embarrassed to see the stuff we do, because oh, you can be judged, I guess, you know, so. But, um yeah, I was, I, in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is just, like, so corny, you know, and I don't like the music. The music was so, like, da-da-da-da. <laughs> um, but I just went along with it, and I just loved every minute. Even the corny ending with, uh, you know, you find out that the fiancé is married, and then she comes down, I can't marry you, and then I'm sorry about your carpet. What happened to the carpet? You know, it just, I thought it was just all delightful. I also thought it was delightful. Um, I first saw this movie when I was probably 
I don't know how old I was. I was seven. I was younger. No, I wasn't seven. Um, teenager. No, I was younger than that. I, I <laughs> younger than seven. No, no, no. Okay. I, I maybe maybe like ten. Okay. I just remember that this was my first adult movie. Oh, this nice. was the first movie that I ever saw That's a good that one. had mm-hmm. you know like adult romantic comedy themes. I felt so cool watching it. I remember I went to a sleepover later <sighs> and we watched it together. Um, I just, I have always loved this movie. I always have like a soft spot in my heart for it just because I think it is so charming and so silly. And I love Bill Pullman and I love, uh, Peter Gallagher. And I don't know how you could ever choose between the two of them. Right. They both have great hair. They both have great hair. (laughs) They're both fabulous. Um, so yeah, I've always loved it. And then when I found out that it was your movie, I was like, well, we have to do on the podcast because it was a very influential movie for me and obviously for you too. So we've got to talk about it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, when I saw it again this time, I, I found it was really charming, so sweet, just really great. Um, really silly. There was a lot of silly moments, silly characters. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it, but I had forgotten how much manipulating is going on. Like she's manipulating the brother that she's in love with and the godfather is manipulating her and you know she's telling her friends like i shouldn't do this and they're manipulating her into doing it and like the family is manipulating peter gallagher into believing that he has amnesia and they're like <laughs> gaslighting him and i was like oh geez like there's well, some funny. gross misconduct going on here it is. but it's so funny that, that even when he comes to and he's you know the camera's panning across and all those faces of the people yeah. he knows and their faces are so full of I love you. Do you remember me? And then it pans past Sandra Bullock, and she's like with her big, crazy, goofy smile, and it jerks back, and and they believe her. He's yeah. like, "Who are you? Oh my God, what's wrong with you?" That and he goes through. I remember everything. Do you know? And it, yeah, and yeah. He's saying his name, his address, everything. Social security. <laughs> lock combination from third grade you know that's and the they, only thing he doesn't remember is her and the family is just like gaslighting him into believing awesome. it's so crazy so yeah that was the only thing the first time i watched it i was like oh yeah this is cute this is fun and then the second time i watched it not second time but the you know most recent time that i watched it i was like oh man these people are gonna be messed up after like the camera stops rolling you know after the wedding they have to live their lives or like they're gonna be <laughs> Messed up from this experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I guess my my first question to you about yeah. the movie would be, um, how did you get involved in the project? Like, what drew you to it? Oh, um, I was uh, executive vice president at Hollywood Pictures. Um, and how did I get that script? Um, whew. You know, I mean, there are always these spec scripts that are written that go out to all the studios, and um, spec meaning that they've been written, you know, for free, and then the give it to the agent, and the agent sends it out and tries to sell it, sell it to Hollywood. Okay, <laughs> um, and so, so, um, and I was always super aggressive about getting the scripts first. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, so. Yeah, it was sent over. I remember reading it and thinking it was really, really delightful, but could you pull off that, like, weird, you know... But the characters are so funny and strong. And the two, you know, the Bill Pullman and the Sandra Bullock, Mm -hmm. their uh, relationship was so good. So we just got... We got it, and then it was handed over to uh, Joe Roth and Roger Birnbaum so they could become the producers on it. And when that happened, I knew we were going to make the movie because they were the favorite producers on the lot. Um... Yeah. 
And I had the closest relationship with Demi Moore at the studio. And so I sent it to her. And I remember thinking, because I wanted her for something else. Do you know what I mean? And I was thinking, oh, you know, if she wants to do this, that means my other movie can't be made until, like, whatever. I, anyway, but so she was attached and then she fell off, which is better, because it wouldn't have been as sparkly. So what was... Oh, sorry. No, go, go. So what was the casting process like? How did you get Sandra Bullock and how did you find everybody? Because I agree with you that so much of this movie is character driven because the premise is so outlandish that they really have to be the right people. And I know Sandra Bullock was coming off of this speed hype. Speed had just come out the year before. um, And so she was kind of coming into her own as an actress. So how did you guys set up the casting of the movie and finding the right people and scoring Sandra Bullock. Well, in the beginning, well, she was very scorable, you know. Um, and this was a movie that was really about her, not about a speeding, you know, bus, right? They did another one then, Speed with a Boat. Speed too, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um, yeah, uh, I think Julie Roberts was considered. I'm trying to think who else was considered at that time. But uh, I know that we had a budget limitation, and you know I know Sandra Bullock was cheaper than those two. Um, but in, as far as casting goes, we uh, since we shot most of it in Chicago, we in, before you put a movie together, you always try to see who you can get as the lead. And you know we all felt that Sandy Bullock was bankable, and she was because it wasn't an expensive movie. You know, and then we cast everybody around her, and then of course that family has to be the Greek chorus of, you know, mm-hmm. all. Um, yeah, Michael Rispolo, is that the one that plays Joey Jr.? I'm trying to remember his name. He was so good. He was really good. I thought he was such a sweet character, and even though he was super creepy, yeah. I couldn't help but love him. And I felt like Sandra Bullock was on our side, right? She was right. really creeped out by him, but she also just adored him. And when his girlfriend dumps him at the end and he's really upset about it and he's crying, she's like, all right, come on in. You want to try on some of my shoes? Will that make you feel better? And she takes care of him, even though he's a creep. And it's so funny. He comes up like, and he's all like, and she says, how's it going with the third floor? And he starts crying. It was just, it's just sweet. Because he tells her that she doesn't want to like lose her shape after the breakup by like eating too much junk. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Oh my God. And then she's like, how's your relationship going? And he's like, I'm the one losing it. I'm eating so much junk food. I'm devastated over this breakup. And she's like, all right, come in. You can get in my closet, try my shoes on if you want. So sweet. It's so sweet. Mm -hmm. So after the project was set up, you were talking about, you know, casting and all of that. Um, After everything was set up and it was in production in Chicago and it was being shot, what did your involvement become like as the producer of the movie? I wasn't. I was the studio executive. Oh, sorry. You were the studio executive. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Because I was, you know, at Hollywood Pictures and Mm -hmm. that's who. um, It uh, became... We had to get a director first. We got John Turtletop, who was, you know, perfect for it. Roger Birnbaum, the producer, was the very was the guy who was hands on the most, mm-hmm. and he was let's say very protective of anyone in the studio coming to visit. And then when I saw Sandy again, you know, when it came to set, she jumped up and hugged me and kissed me and everything. And Roger was super pissed at that. But um, yeah, you become well, most yeah, as a studio exec, you just make sure that you make the days that they're on budget. Mm-hmm. You know, that everybody likes each other still. You're looking at the dailies and making sure nothing looks too crazy. So yeah. you knew it was going to be a success right off the bat. I just did. I just had a feeling. I remember watching it. I remember watching her face in that um, in that little toll booth. And 
it was so alive and it was so real. I just thought, oh, she's going to pull this off. And then, mm-hmm. and then she just did. Sandra Bullock is very good at that, kind of being this um, girl next door type yeah. character who just gets bullied into doing what other people want her to do. I right. know that sounds terrible. Yeah. And I do think she has other ranges, right? She could play other kinds of characters. <laughs> she plays the bullied character. <laughs> but like, she really was bulldozed at every turn in this movie. She's like, I really don't think what I'm doing is right. And then people just bulldoze her into doing what they mm. want her to do yeah. and what would benefit them the most. But that was what that whole balancing trick was. She had to admit that she knew what she was doing wrong okay and then we had to back it up with why she was doing that because she had no family and she was alone mm-hmm. you know and then when she wanted to say something something had to happen where she couldn't so that whole thing was a crazy balancing act that took a lot of rewrites with Sullivan and LeBeau to um to get that right mm-hmm. I'm having an affair I like Jack who's Jack Peter's brother so so he thinks I'm engaged to who Peter. Lucy, I really don't have time for this. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to tell me what to do. Tell the truth. If I tell Jack that I lied to his family, he will never speak to me again. And and, and Ox, and Midge, and Mary, and and, and Saul. Saul? Who's Saul? It's a next door neighbor. You know what? Actually, he knows. Lucy, you're born into a family. You do not join them like you do the Marines. You have to tell me what to do. Pull the plug. You're sick. I'm sick. You're cheating on a vegetable. So when did you see the movie all put together for the first time? Well, it would be, you know, six weeks after we wrap, you know? Uh, I don't remember the date or anything. Uh, I remember the whole crew was there the whole team like roger joe roth i can't even remember who was head of production probably katzenberg all those guys were there to see the movie and uh yeah it was in super good shape right off the bat and then how long does it take before it you know gets a theatrical release from that initial cut well what you do is uh you know you got to make sure that all the pieces work and fit together and you you know how then you have to decide like what the score is going to be and who you're going to bring in to score it so that has to be done and there's post-production with sound and you know uh colorization and Mm -hmm. etc um and then um you know there has to be well when you finally lock the picture because there's studio notes and then there's there's just everybody has notes you know so you do that so how long it could be a year or it could be three months mm-hmm. you know because um, then when you've got the picture then you have to decide how you're going to um, market it and you have to see what other movies are coming out what's the best weekend you know all of that stuff mm-hmm. um, fits into when you release it but this was very very smooth sailing all along it was maybe the easiest movie I'd ever made yeah it was just really delightful every moment of it mm-hmm. and then I was introduced to the Chicago hot dog then and I liked that a lot so, but a lot of times, you know, you just come into town and you buy everybody a bunch of dinners and stuff and listen and, you know, that's oftentimes what, uh, yeah, because Roger Birnbaum, his um, company was with Joe Roth and Joe Roth, I'm trying to remember at that time if they had split and Joe was then the head of pro- production at TriStar, no, Touchstone, Disney and Hollywood. I can't, I can't remember, but... You know, you don't fuck around with Roger Birnbaum. I've had made a bunch of movies with him, and 
I've gotten into trouble a lot with him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any fun memories from making this movie that stand out to you specifically? Um, well, I remember going around, you know, after when the, the first night that it comes out and you, you know, you get in your limo with, you know, the writers and the director, whoever you drive around and you go into the theaters to see if anyone's going. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing, because too many times you go and it's like, oh, did the picture start? Where is everybody? Uh, and this was just packed, people laughing, very enthusiastic audience. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. It was just, uh, you know, a lot of work doing the rewrites, almost having a lawsuit that would shut us down. Mm. Were you scared about the lawsuit? or? I'm always like this, we're going to do it anyway, you know, and then we other people will pick up the pieces. Not really, because there's a lot of time. The the zeitgeist, or you know, in, in Hollywood, there's so many times that there's two um, parallel movies being made that are of the same, you know, big idea, and you just see who wins, you know, and that's an mm-hmm. uh, expensive game to play, you know. So as far as the actual movie goes, and talking about, like, themes in the movie and how I felt watching it now... Um, versus when I watched it then, I was like, wow, I really miss the days when you could still fall in love by lying to someone about who you are. Yes! What happened to those days? (laughs) I yearn for those days. No, there was such like a string of movies in the 80s and 90s where people were lying about who they are and then still get the girl or guy at the end, even though the whole movie they had been... Based on a lie. Yeah, the whole thing had been based on a lie. Yeah, it's usually the guy lying to the woman and then, you know, she takes him back and he lied because he really, you know, wants to have a child or, you know, who knows, it's some crazy reason. <laughs> but this was the lady lying about who she was. So that was an interesting take on But she the didn't trope. bring up the lie in the beginning, right? No, it was a mistake. Yeah. It was an accident. Who's she? She's his fiance. His fiance? Yes, Peter's fiance. Yeah, I thought. No, I always wanted him to find a nice girl. I'm so glad he found you. Why did you say that? Say what? I'm not his fiance. Why did you tell me that you were? I'm not engaged. I've never even spoken to the guy. Downstairs, you said. You said you were going to marry him. Oh, jeez, I was talking to myself. Well, next time you talk to yourself, tell yourself you're single and end the conversation. What am I going to do? I don't know. And that was handled pretty well, because it could have... Well, if it weren't, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I think that... And this is, sounds so mean, but like she played pathetic so well. I feel like I'm bagging her, but I'm really trying to compliment Sandra Bullock on how she played this character like that scene where she's getting her dinner ready and her cat's dinner ready and she takes the oreo and, and dips, dips it, it in, in the cat's cat. milk so that sweet. was so pathetic Aww. and in like a sweet way though you know it was like she has nothing even her cat won't come when she calls to have oh, dinner with it of that that's so sad it was very sad Aww. and she has joe and joe jr downstairs and they kind of take care of her in their own unique kind of creepy way Mm -hmm. but um yeah I thought that she did a really good job playing like the sad pathetic character like when Bill Pullman says you have my brother you're not alone you have him and she says I have no one 
and then she just goes into her apartment. Right, right, right. I just felt like she did such a good job selling that part of it because then when it comes to it, it's so easy to take this like creepy turn where like she's just moved in on this family and is like this is my family now and it's super weird but like because she played the pathetic sad part of it so well you were kind of rooting for her you even understand though she, the reason yeah and you were rooting for her even though she was the one who was creating all of the chaos mm-hmm. you know when i was when i was a kid i always imagined what i would be like or where i would be or what i would have when i got older and you know it's the normal stuff you know i'd have a house and family and things like that not you know not that i'm complaining or anything because you know i have i have a, I have a cat I have an apartment um sole possession of the remote control it's very important it's just i never met anybody that i could laugh with You ever fall in love with somebody I haven't even talked to? <sighs> you ever been so long you spend the night confusing a man in a coma? Don't you love the conventional coma that, oh, he's in a coma? <laughs> we don't know why, but he can't wake up for a while. <laughs> Not until the and moment in the meantime, is right. Yeah. Not until hijinks has ensued will he wake up from his coma. It, you know, what's also kind of funny is that even in the beginning when they were buying hot dogs and her boss came by and she was like, I'll have the usual. And the hot dog guys could like whatever and he gives her onions or something that she doesn't like and she's picking it off, you know. And then the, her boss shows up and he says, all the usual. Of course, he gets the usual. But it's so like, it's like nobody notices her or listens to her. But she also kind of has a fabulous life. I don't know if that's just me romanticizing her life in the movie, but I was watching it and I was like, you know, I don't think it would be so bad. <laughs> to live in that apartment. She lives in that huge apartment. She takes tickets at the L, and she lives in that giant apartment. That's so nice. She is friends with a hot dog guy and her boss. <laughs> All right. She, she has a tiny oh, cat. She has a tiny cat. She's also friends with the woman who is in the booth behind her, which she says she has no one, but then this woman is like, come to my party and hang out with all my friends. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, you're not completely alone. You still have friends. So that was nice. I was like, you know, not a bad life, Sandy. But not a bad life. she wanted to get a stamp and her passport. Mm-hmm. Because even Bill Pullman says that. He's like, she's kind of tragic. She's kind of pathetic. She wants to travel so she can get a stamp and her passport, but... Mm-hmm. It's charming. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. It is charming. Why is it so? Because it's corny and sentimental. And yeah. Why is it so charming? Well, I think because Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock has, have such good chemistry that even such though good only one week had passed since they yeah. met, and he like sits down with his brother who's in a coma, and he's like, I've never been jealous of you before now because of your fiance. And I'm like, you barely know her. Mm-hmm. You've had the whole life to be jealous of this guy, but over this girl you're jealous about? I don't know. Because he loves her. I know because he loves her. I'm saying in if that was played differently or with different actors, I don't think I would have bought it. But because they are so delightful and I believe that Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman are in love, I, I bought into the relationship. Mm-hmm. I also bought in that Peter Gallagher was like, I don't know you and I don't remember being in love with you, but like, want to get married? Right. Sure, I'm in. Yeah. I, I thought that was pretty great too. Yeah, it's kind of funny because you don't really know who he is and then he's in a coma. 
You know, and then you learn later that. But you, you just like, know he's handsome. Yeah, and you also know that uh, in his apartment he has pictures of himself with a tennis racket yeah. or with a you know skiing, and, you know whatever. <laughs> he was so funny. I I'm personally team Gallagher. I love him. I think he's amazing. Mm-hmm. This was the first movie I ever saw him in, and I just absolutely fell in love with him. Yeah, I think he's amazing. Um, and he was so just silly in this movie. Like that scene where he's in the wheelchair and he's talking about all the bad things that have happened in his life and he's talking to his brother and then the brother just disappears and it's some nurse holding a box of his shoes and he's like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, and he's like, my shoes. <laughs> but, yeah. I think that also if it was a different actor, him being in a coma the whole movie and then just waking up at the end would have been confusing and I would have been like, who is this guy and why do I care about him? And what is going on but because all of the characters were cast so well and because they were so delightful i didn't care that i didn't know who he was or yeah. what he was all about i just knew that i liked him and whoever she chose i was going to be happy with it mm-hmm. also the fi- the real fiance she's also barely in it so that's something interesting about this movie is all of the main characters are barely in the movie yeah she kind true. of comes in at the end and she's like stop the wedding you propose to me and yeah, then she's and I'm gonna married. marry you yeah and she's Random, married. okay. <laughs> That's crazy. I also really liked that the action started immediately. So I checked I. the time. It was nine minutes. Boom. Nine minutes into the movie, he falls off the tracks. Right. And You're I really it. I really appreciated that because I feel I like mean. a lot of times with these movies, for some reason, a movie that was coming to my mind a lot while I was watching this was Prelude to a Kiss. I, thought a, I was thinking a lot about Prelude to a Kiss, which is also a romantic comedy that comes in that comes out in the 90s that's about lying about who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meg Ryan kisses an old man and they trade bodies. And yeah. so the old man is living in Meg Ryan, lying about who he is, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about that movie a lot because I was like, wow, this is a movie also about someone lying about who they are. Um, and this movie worked a lot better than Prelude to a Kiss did. And I was kind of thinking, why does this movie that's also about lying that I should be offended by as someone who feels very strongly about consent and not lying mm-hmm. about who we are to trick people into falling in love with us or having a relationship with us. Um, I was like, why am I so charmed by this? Why do I not care at all? And I think it's because the casting was so strong. It was also cut really tightly, mm-hmm. like with the action starting minute nine. It didn't need to know the sob story of Sandra Bullock's life in great detail and why she is who she is. I just, you know, I heard it for like two seconds and then boom, we're in the Yeah, because action. there's a, the flashback, right? Is yeah, but it's just like right in the m- beginning of the movie for a minute. Mm-hmm. They're like, my mom died when I was young. This is what my dad was like. And now I'm working at the train and now this guy's jumping into the tracks. Not jumping, sorry. Falling into the tracks. And now I'm saving his life. It's not until much later in the movie that we found out that her dad died and this is why she moved to Chicago was to help him and she went to school but she had to drop out. I think that it would have slowed the momentum of the movie if I had to find all of that out before the action happened. I think I wouldn't have been as in, like right from minute one. Um, And I think all of the actors really believing in selling the characters that they were playing even if they were only in it for a minute like mm-hmm. that bacon woman she was barely in it the fiance all right Allie what's her name oh I can't remember the fiance of Peter yeah, yeah. Gallagher Miss Bacon even though she was only in the movie for a whole of two three minutes and it was her cat yeah she really <laughs> sold it too yeah, she did yeah, such yeah. a good job so yeah I, I really appreciated the commitment to mm-hmm. the bit <laughs> 
Also, uh, the Peter Gallagher character, he was the good boy. He was the son that everybody loved. Mm-hmm. And, and Bill Pullman was the son that they, you know, they thought was, you know, not as loved. Yeah, he well, the, he was the fuck up. Bill Pullman wants to have this different life, and then Sandra Bullock starts criticizing him for how he wants to live his life. Oh, does and she? What does she say? She says, you know, oh, you say this about me. Well, you don't even tell your father that you have passions oh, and you want right. to follow them. And I was like, that's pretty bold coming from a lady who's lying about who she is. She's going all the distance. Uh, then he goes and he, and he tells them, yeah. He wants to make furniture. Look, you're running the business now. There's something I like to talk to you about. Talk about that later, okay? Talk about it now. He can't kill you in church. And he's good at it, so mm-hmm. good for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also like the snowy, you know, in the Christmas time. She's pulling that Christmas tree up by its trunk, you know, to the second or third floor. Mm-hmm. I, I liked all that. Yeah, I liked all of her sweater outfits. She yeah, wore like a lot of so sweatpants with a sweatshirt and like thick socks. And her dad's coat. And her dad's coat. Yeah, yeah. a lot of sweater outfits mm-hmm. that were really nice. Mm-hmm. I agree. The last thing that I wrote in my notes was, I thought she was the villain, but I think that everyone is the villain. <gasps> really? <laughs> yeah, just because of the amount of like, everybody was kind of out for themselves. Even though I, again, I'm on record. I love this movie. I think it's perfect, but... I do think that everybody kind of had their own interests in mind and they just followed their own interests. Like, she, even though it was an accident that she was called in as the fiance, she could have said, no, I'm not the fiance, but she didn't. And then when Bill Pullman's character, Jack, pushes her on it, she doubles down and is like, this is the cat. I know this thing about him. I know that thing about him. The family also confronts her about it. And she's like, well, I know something that nobody knows about him. So I must be the fiance. One testicle. Exactly. Yeah. And then, then the godfather finds out, but he's like, eh, I like you. It's good for the family. So let's just keep it to ourselves. Then he's like, I'm going to handle it. All right, I'm going to tell Peter Gallagher. But then he decides not to. And I'm like, everybody's just doing what's best for them. Why do you think he didn't? Or what do you think the whole family, they just, they liked her because they didn't like his other girlfriends or his other people? What do you, why were they all support so supportive of this to the point of not even believing their own son or well even when she apologizes at the wedding and is like this is my fault i shouldn't have done this um i manipulated you and i'm sorry they ignore her immediately and start jumping down peter gallagher's throat and they're like you did this why did you do this to us and i'm like he was in a coma he didn't do anything that's funny (laughs) dearly beloved we are gathered here today to join i object Oh, I, I didn't get to that part yet. I would have to object to. What about you? I'm thinking. What the hell is going on? I am in love with your son. I, I know. Not that one. That one. Jack. What the hell did you do? He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. It was me. It was all me. So, I don't know why they did it. I guess just because they they liked her and she was sweet. And I know that they didn't like his other girlfriend, Bacon. But mm-hmm. I don't really know why you would ever want 
your son to be with someone who's lying about who she is unless because they know she's a good person and that she had to lie okay she didn't have to lie she tried to tell the truth but it was impossible (laughs) yeah that was a fun fun movie it did great too it really Mm -hmm. really did well yeah um, I'm sure you know this, but the budget was 17 million and the box office was 182 million. So yeah. it did really, really well. And 17 million is a tiny amount. Mm-hmm. Location, you know, it was it's a tiny amount of money to spend. Yeah, I thought it was nice having a shot in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated seeing all of the all of the sights and having it be real Chicago instead of a set that looks like Chicago. So mm-hmm. I agree. I thought that was good. Um, was there any motivation to make a romantic comedy or you just liked the script and um, wanted to make it? Or were you like looking to make a romantic comedy? Um, I've always been drawn to uh, characters, you know, and making a romantic comedy, if you can make it right, it's so rewarding because a romantic comedy is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. People who are mismatched, they come together, they come apart, they get, you know, and all those. It's just so crazy plot-driven, but if mm-hmm. you can... Um, and this one, the setup is crazy, but, you know, you can kind of go with what was going on with those two. So I was just... I thought the script was just really fun mm-hmm. and funny and uh, believable. And you can make it for a price, and you're going to get two up-and-coming actors and... Who was the other up-and-coming actor? Oh, Bill Pullman wasn't that well-known. I guess I just know him from like the Nora Ephron movies. Was he was in Sleepless in Seattle? Yeah, when was that? Also in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's look. Because he usually plays the guy who does not end up with the girl. Yeah. Although I would argue in Sleepless in Seattle, he should have ended up with the girl. Okay, nineteen ninety three. So that was just a few years before this movie. He did Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Then he ends up playing a lot of presidents and stuff mm-hmm. but he's he's a nice actor yeah he? i think he's really good i i really enjoyed him in this movie i thought it was a refreshing role for him and something i don't know if i've seen before or after for him mm-hmm. so what do you think a classic mm-hmm. <laughs> why do you think it's a classic because uh, i made it all right i think every movie that you make <laughs> is a classic um oh i don't know i don't think it's a classic it's just a fun movie yeah, I think so too. I think that um, I think that when I was thinking about it in comparison to other movies where people are lying about who they are and there's hijinks because of it and then you find out at the end it's revealed to you that they're not who they said they were. Um, I think it's a better version of that kind of movie because you believed the people were... They were acting selfishly, but you also believed that at their hearts they were good, good people, people who were acting selfishly. And so I think that out of those movies, it's probably the best because mm-hmm. you understood who the characters were and what their motivations were, even though you didn't spend a lot of time with them, which I think is good. As opposed to other movies, like when we we're talking about um, the way we were, I spent a lot of time with those characters and didn't really understand who they were by mm-hmm. the end of it. And this movie was much quicker paced and it was shorter and I didn't spend as much time. You know, like one character was in a coma for half the movie, but I understood who he was and what his motivation was. And I really appreciated that about the movie. Um, you know, I always got the feeling that they wanted him to be with Sandra Bullock because they, because he was, um, you know, he was the shallow guy. You know, he was the one who, you know, sees women a certain way, you know, has to live his life a certain way, that he's 
Yeah, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really charming and really lovely, and um, I think you did a great job. So thank excellent, you. excellent pick. Uh, yeah, thank you for picking it. Yeah, of course, thank you for making it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me. Join us next episode when Lauren and Minna fight ghosts with our extra special episode on Ghostbusters Old and New. Thank you also to Antonio Ortiz for composing our theme and all other music on this podcast. And lastly, thank you to you, listeners. We've started a podcast email for listeners to email us and provide feedback, comments, questions, and anything else you want us to know. Email us at moviesmadeher at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us at moviesmadeher on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter to stay up to date on episode releases, the movies we'll be covering, and all things podcast-related.